Available at farmnewsnow.com or wherever you find your favorite podcast. Agriculture through a modern lens. This is the AgriPod with Alice McFarland. On this episode, a new agreement has been signed between Seedmaster and John Deere. The Seedmaster toolbar will be used exclusively with John Deere air seeding equipment. Seedmaster Don Henry calls it a win for both companies and for the agriculture industry. The Western Grains Research Foundation is a farmer-funded and farmer-directed non-profit organization that invests in agricultural research that benefits Western Canadian farmers. Since 1981, WGRF has funded more than $210 million of research in field crops. The man at the helm of the organization has announced he is retiring at the end of this year. Garth Patterson will talk about his work over the last 11 years and some of the research projects planned for this year. After the break, Don Henry. Digging into the topics that matter to you. The AgriPod with Alice McFarlane. Saskatchewan-based Seedmaster announced an agreement has been reached to supply John Deere with Seedmaster Toolbar. It's to be used exclusively with their air seeding equipment. Seedmaster CEO Don Henry is here to talk about this new collaboration. So first of all, Don, how did this all come about? Yeah, so it's really transpired over the last 18 months or so, uh, the chairman of our board, Larry Hillworth, as most of the people know in the Yorkton area, was a former owner of uh, Maple Farm Equipment, the John Deere dealership. And Larry was approached from John Deere about maybe considering Seedmaster's willingness to supply them, supply them with toolbars. They were looking for a product to go along with their C-Series air cart. And uh, as I mentioned, I started about 18 months ago and starting a lot of discussion between them and now. Uh, any of the large manufacturers like that, it's... Uh, it's a big ship, so there was a lot of involvement, a lot of departments involved, and uh, culminated here within the last couple of weeks with a contract signed for us to supply them the toolbars. None of our other product, but uh, just the toolbars, and it's just a supply agreement. We'll build them here in Emerald Park. Uh, once once they leave our yard, then it's, uh, it's a John Deere product, and, and they manage uh, from a sales and service perspective. Explain to us what is unique about the Seedmaster toolbar. So it's our, our zero-till seating tool uh, in sizes from 40 to 100 feet, 10-inch spacing, 12-inch spacing, and it comes with our traditional seed hawk opener, which is the double knife system, uh, fertilizer placed through the front knife, uh, seed through the back knife, excellent uh, seed fertilizer separation, no issues there as far as putting your nutrients on. The uh, seed knife very close to the packer wheel, which is your depth control. So excellent seed placement, uh, and which really provides excellent germination. And so, you know, the product's been around since 2002. There'll be some technological changes over that period of time, but it really has developed into a, a real bulletproof air drill and uh, well accepted here in, in Western Canada and other parts of the world as well. I think I know the answer to this, but um, will the toolbars be installed in Seedmaster colors? Yeah, sure. No, they'll be John Deere green, uh, John Deere's colors. Uh, they'll come out of our plant here in Emerald Park and distributed globally from here. Uh, initially, it'll be Western Canada and the northern U.S., and uh, I believe uh, Deere plans to expand globally uh, within the next year or two. So can you tell us how many toolbars John Deere has ordered? Yeah, so that, that would be Deere's call. Uh, but we do have uh, an idea of what they're looking for in the next year and, and for the foreseeable future. And, and yes, uh, it, it appears ramping up, but as you know, that's always market dependent. Uh, we're, in a, we're in a good time from an egg 
industry standpoint, from a commodity price standpoint, not necessarily from a cost standpoint, but from a commodity price standpoint. So the foreseeable future looks pretty good. And uh, yeah, they, they, it appears that, uh, you know, they're looking at ramping it up over the next couple of years. So it's it's good news story for Seedmaster. Uh, I think it's good for our staff, the Regina area. Um, you know, it provides us with some additional volume that, that always helps in a manufacturing environment. Um, you know, I think it, you know, we will see some low times in agriculture in the future as we've all lived through and, you know, with, with deer's reach and brand globally, we, we think that that will still, we'll still be able to maintain some volume with them, which is, which is good for our company. But, but the other side of it is we're still able to operate a Seedmaster. We're still going to be the same, uh, manufacturer here in Emerald Park and coming out with, uh, new product development all the time. Um, one of our new products right now, the Ultra SR, has been really successful for us. It's a, a bit of a revolutionary product in the seating industry with uh, being a single rank drill and it's gone over very well. And in fact, we're gonna be uh, using it to seed the Farming for Health field in the Yorkton area this year. So we're excited about that. So, you know, it's, it's great to have the supply agreement on the side with John Deere, but we're still able to operate as Seedmaster and, uh, you know, still a real focus on product development. And, and uh, you'll see more from us in the next couple of years in that area. Now, will these new John Deere air seeders with the Seedmaster toolbars be available for this year? It looks like it. Uh, and again, that's that's Deere's world. Uh, once once it leaves our yard, that's up to them. But yes, there'll be some available here for, for spring of 2023. Uh, just stepping back, Don, you mentioned the Ultra SR earlier. Can you explain that a little further? Yeah, so it's it, that's that's the product um, that that we think is revolutionary in the market and has really kind of caught on. Uh, something that's been in development for four or five years now, uh, with some pre-production runs the previous two years, more commercially offered this year. So it's uh, an air cart and drill all is one. Uh, there's 750 bushel capacity, total capacity with four tanks. But it's uh, the SR stands for single rank. So a, a traditional air drill will have three three ranks of openers, generally in a 10 or 12 inch spacing. The single rank is on a 15 inch spacing. And um, we have a patented residue wheel system for uh, allowing the residue to flow through a single rank unit. Um, so it really makes a real nice compact unit, low horsepower requirement for pulling. You know, as we all know, canola has uh, really grown in popularity in Western Canada. And with uh, the plants in Yorkton, the new plants coming in Regina, there'll be a big demand on acres. And this just does a tremendous job of, of planting canola. 15-inch spacing on canola works really, really well. Canola branches out and stools out so well. And with the Ultra Pro metering system on the Ultra SR, uh, it's, it's as close to singulation on that canola seed as you can get. It's very gentle. We've got individual plates that meters the, that meter the canola so you can be extremely accurate. And then a hose directly running from the meter to the opener. There's no splitting in towers and so on. So the mortality in, in canola is very, very low, virtually nil. And so, you know, at a time when canola is really strong, uh, this unit is, has uh, really kind of met the market. And, and you know, we're referring to it as a, as a canola master. And we're really excited about that. And more and more people are seeding cereals on that wider spacing and finding that it's working out well. Uh, certainly guys with pulse crops like the idea of being a little bit wider spacing from a, a spray perspective and fungicide allowing you to get those fungicides down, given that pulse crops can be susceptible to disease. Um, so, yeah, we're really excited, but we've got a number of units running this spring and, uh, and see it growing for next year as well. 
Well, it certainly is exciting news for Seedmaster on John Deere, but really exciting for the whole industry. And anytime you have a major manufacturer like a John Deere, um, you know, look to you to supply some product to them. I think it's a testament to the technology in the product and a testament testament to our staff and uh, you know to grow the volume in Saskatchewan is is just good for everybody so uh, yeah we're, we're excited about the announcement and the contract. Don Henry is the CEO of Seedmaster. After the break we speak to the soon retiring executive director of the Western Grains Research Foundation Garth Patterson. Digging into the topics that matter to you. The AgriPod with Alice McFarland. The Western Grains Research Foundation has started the search for a new executive director. Garth Patterson will be retiring at the end of this year after 11 years at the helm. And before we focus on your departure, Garth, can you tell us a little bit about your time with uh, WGRF and uh, what will be happening this year? Yeah, I certainly was really fortunate to have the opportunity to join WGRF 11 years ago when I came into an organization that had a really strong board and enthusiastic staff. And the plan the board laid out really was to grow and get more farmers' money out to researchers to benefit farmers. And we've really been able to do that over the past decade. And it's it's got to the point now where WGRF is the leading producer-funder of crop research in Canada We've been as high as about $18 million a year. Pre-COVID, we were averaging about $14 million a year going out. And with COVID, it's uh, with the capacity dropping a little bit at, at institutions, we're down to about $12.5 million on average. But I, I think there's a bright future. WGRF has plenty of financial resources and they'll uh, continue to fund at a high level moving forward. What kind of financial resources are available and where did this money come from? Yeah, that is uh, a question we get asked uh, regularly and we talk to members about. But WGRF has just under $200 million in financial assets. They've come from a few sources. We've got some residual uh, wheat and barley funds remaining from when WGRF was managing those checkoffs that are now managed by the crop commissions. The largest source is what we call the research fund. It was formerly the endowment fund, and some know it as the railway fund, where funds from the railways have any time there's an annual overage in what uh, CTA assesses on the railways, maximum rail revenue entitlement, those overages come to WGRF. So over the years, uh, we've received over $100 million from that, and uh, we've grown that through investments close to around 140 million. Right now, the board has uh, committed over 50 million of that to go out to new projects. So there's been a lot of that that has been committed that will be going out to support new research over the next number of years. How wide of a focus is the research for your group? Or are you working on any specific areas? Or is it just a matter of uh, putting that money where it's needed? The board does have uh, some priority focus areas. However, I would say WGRF probably has the largest scope of any producer organization in Canada as far as funding. So there's 15 different crops that the board uh, looks at providing funds to, and those are all of the large and intermediate acreage crops, I think, that farmers would be familiar with, all the way from southern Manitoba up to the northern BC and the Peace and everywhere in between. 
the areas of research that, that WGF targets is are the areas of variety development and crop production research. So it's very broad. There's currently over 170 active projects and uh, a number of programs in addition to those that we're also funding. So uh, let's move on to uh, finding your replacement. What will happen over the course of the next six to eight months? The board has launched a search for it, and they've uh, contracted uh, Ralph Kickert from the organization called Strive. So I'm I'm not directly involved in that. This is a a board-led initiative, and Ralph is going to be managing that. We have that information on our website, so any interested candidates or others, are, I'd certainly encourage them to go to our website, look at that material, and contact Ralph and talk to him. I'll be with WGRF till the end of 2022, and I know the board's intention is to have a new ED in, in place by late fall so that we can plan for an orderly and seamless transition into 2023. And uh, are you interested in sharing with us what your plans are for 2023? Yeah, I've got lots of people asking me that. I, I'm not retiring completely from the industry at all, but it is a good chance to just take a different direction and uh, partner with some different organizations to uh, provide some specific services. And I'll be uh, looking at that a little more later in the year, but uh, certainly we also want to have more family time together. So it'll be a bit of a lifestyle change also. Garth Patterson is the executive director of the Western Grains Research Foundation. It's time for the Agriculture News and Review for the week of May 23rd, 2022. Wheat futures were up the limit on Monday following news that India had imposed a ban on exports. Flour prices in India have risen to record highs and the government is worried about food inflation. Meantime, soaring bread prices sparked riots in parts of Iran where domestic production was damaged by drought, and half of the population now lives below the poverty line. With the Russia-Ukraine war reducing global wheat exports this year, the market is expected to remain bullish. Statistics Canada reported there was an approximate 3% decline in the volume of wheat milled and made into flour last year. Canadian millers milled roughly 3.1 million tonnes of wheat, with flour production coming in at 2.4 million tonnes. About 94% of the wheat milled between August 2020 and July 2021 went for human food uses, mostly in Canada, but some for export as well. The amount of Durham wheat mill fell even further at 11%. The lower milled wheat and flour production in Canada coincides with a 38.4% drop in wheat production due to drought conditions over all three prairie provinces last summer. New Zealand filed a trade dispute against Canada regarding its implementation of dairy tariff rate quotas. It marks the first dispute brought forward by any country under the CPTPP, which took effect December 2018. New Zealand's argument is similar to the United States' ongoing case over the implementation of Canadian dairy import rules under the new Canada-U.S.-Mexico trade agreement. Canada has seven days to respond to New Zealand's request for consultations. If consultations are unsuccessful at resolving the dispute, New Zealand could request the formation of a dispute settlement panel. Saskatchewan is again leading the nation in year-over-year growth in the two key indicators of manufacturing sales and wholesale trade. 
In March, the value of trade in Saskatchewan increased 29 percent compared to the previous March, first in terms of percentage change among provinces. The increases in wholesale trade were led by farm products, food and beverage, and various merchant wholesaler categories. Saskatchewan's manufacturing sales rose 45% in March compared to a year ago, which was also first in terms of percentage change. The year-over-year increase in manufacturing sales was led by increases in chemical, food and wood products manufacturing areas. Wholesale trade value in March was $3.2 billion, while manufacturing sales were worth over $2.2 billion. A case of equine infectious anemia was confirmed in west-central Saskatchewan. The horse carrying the virus was located in the RM of Rosemount between Bigger and Landis. EIA is a viral disease that attacks horses' immune systems and that it's transmissible through bodily fluids. There is no cure and the disease is generally fatal. The Canadian Food Inspection Agency said it is investigating to determine if any other horses were exposed. And this past week, an Iowa turkey farmer said Facebook groups where people insist that avian flu is fake or a bioweapon make him want to beat his head against the wall. While it poses little risk to humans, the global outbreak has led farmers to cull millions of birds and threatens to add to already rising food prices. It's also spanning ridiculous claims, underscoring how conspiracy theories often emerge at times of uncertainty and how the Internet and a deepening distrust of science and institutions fuel their spread. If you like what you've heard, you can rate and review wherever you get your podcasts and make sure to subscribe to AgriPod with Alice McFarlane for more weekly episodes. The AgriPod is produced by Colby Heiss with host and CJVR Agriculture Director Alice McFarlane and is a division of the Jim Pattison Broadcast Group. Available wherever you find your favorite podcast and at farmnewsnow.com.